It's good to welcome our Bethlehem Friel Baptist Church as they watch, but also Fairview Friel Baptist Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina, uh, where my dad pastors, and I know many others that are watching today. We pray that God will bless you today in a mighty way. We also just want to just reiterate during this time, if we can do anything for you, um, please let us know. And also remember, as the service is going, just put some comments, please, amen. Uh, let us know uh, that you're listening and let us know anything that we can pray for you during that time. But we're going to go ahead and start the service uh, with a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, we are just blessed to be able to still uh, minister, um, even though it may be a new means. Uh, Father, we know that your spirit is still real and your spirit can still move because it's not our message, it's your message. Father, we just pray right now that you be with all those that are watching, all those that are affected um, by this virus, whether financially, uh, physically. Uh, Father, we just pray that you just uh, pour your spirit upon them. May they feel your presence and your peace. And God, may we today, whatever uh, is said and done or sung, be for your glory and for your honor. In your son's name, amen. Amen. It's a privilege uh, to get to meet together. Um, as Pastor said, wherever you are this morning, it's a privilege to be able to, uh, to hopefully uh, worship together and to hear God's word. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and the death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And we want to worship God together knowing uh, that no matter what we're going through in this life, that ultimately we have uh, something far better to look forward to in the next. Let's sing together, I'll Fly Away. Some bad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away into a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. Bye. 
reminder uh, this morning um, that one day um, we will be able to go and see him. I, I think sometimes it's so easy uh, to get distracted by all the things of this world um, that we forget the world to come. We're so thankful uh, that you have tuned in this morning. Um, hope you and your family are well. We do want to remind you uh, that, you know, as, as we continue to try uh, to be the church, it's important uh, that we're able to give back to God. And I know we can't do that in person, uh, but there are several ways that you can continue to give. And, um, you know, the church is, is trying to support some local ministries, and um, we'll talk a little bit more about that maybe later. But we hope that as we continue to worship in song, and we worship in word, um, that we'll worship as we give as well. But we do want to uh, sing a couple of songs this morning that will remind us of not only how good God is, but how much we depend on him. And so we're going to sing this song we've been learning together as a church called The Goodness of God. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am made, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire In darkest night You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have lived in the goodness of God And all my
to us, um, and because of his goodness, because of who he is, and how much we are in need of him, we can sing this song together as we say, God, in this time of uncertainty, in this time of confusion, and really any time, on the mountaintop or in the valley, Lord, we need you. I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, and without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. And every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I Sin runs deep, your grace is more, where grace is found, is where you are, and where you are, Lord, I am free, holiness is Christ in
thankful for the opportunity uh, to lift our voices to you in worship. We echo the words of that song that we need you. God, more than we often even realize. And God, we ask that you will be with those in their homes this morning as they worship with their families. Be with Pastor Shiloh as he's about to bring your word. And help us to have our hearts opened up uh, to what you still want to say to us. God, in this strange time, you still want to speak to your people. We ask that you'll give us ears to hear. We love you. We dedicate this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Like a flower will push through the smallest crack in a broken heart. And out of that deep darkest night will shine the brightest burning star. Oh, it's there like a half-remembered song. This thing that's so familiar, all you've known all along. God loves you. He wants you to Just water and salt 
But I thimble full It'll feel like oceans wide Oh, so trust That just one gentle breeze The breeze, this thing that you've forgotten, oh, so hard to believe. Believe it now, God loves you, and He wants you to know He is with you. You are not alone. Amen. What a beautiful song. So thankful for Miss Shonda coming and singing for us and uh, the band coming and playing and getting us prepared in worship. And uh, we're excited that you are watching as well. We're going to ask that you turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter uh, 3. Exodus chapter 3. We're actually going to be in chapter 2 and chapter 3. Um, I am not doing a uh, one of the I am statements today. I just felt led. Um, by God to go in a different direction with everything that's been going on with the fact that many of us have been confined to our homes. Many of us are questioning a lot of things and God just led me uh, to lead in this direction. The title of the message is just simply a plea for help. A plea for help. I remember my junior year uh, in college 
Actually, that summer of my junior year, I began to have some stomach issues to the point that I ended up going to the emergency room and, and trying to find out what was going on. Went to uh, a doctor. The doctor said I had a nervous stomach, whatever that means, um, and uh, gave me some pills and said, you're, you're fine. Go on to college. I went to college. I think it was the second or third week of college. Started having extreme pains where I would end up on the floor, uh, curled up, and uh, i never forget my roommate. Uh, I would just tell him, just give me about a minute or two and I'd be good, and then I'd get up and go. And, and so one time it got so bad, um, we decided I was going to go to the emergency room. Went to the emergency room, long story short, uh, I had to have my appendix removed. And uh, getting my appendix removed, um, they gave me all that nice medicine that they give you to knock you out. Uh, but unfortunately, while I was on the table, before they actually started cutting, thank the Lord, um, I woke up. And uh, I woke up, and uh, they were in the midst of doing something, and I just remember seeing a nurse, and I looked at her, and I said, what are you doing? To which she screamed and threw her stuff. Uh, apparently, you're not supposed to wake up. Um, and uh, she just screamed, he's awake, he's awake. And of course, I'm looking at her going, yes, I'm awake, and what are you doing? And uh, all I know is this sweet nurse came over, and she started just patting my head and put this something over my face and just said, breathe in and count back from 100, and I think I got to 99, and that's all I remember. Um, and that just brings to mind, th these are some things I heard that you don't want to hear during surgery if you actually happen to wake up, and, and here they are. Number one, better save that. We'll need it for the autopsy. Number two, someone called the janitor. We're going to need a mop. Number three, Wait a minute, if that's hit spleen, then what is that? <laughs> and here's the best one. Oops. Hey, has anyone ever survived 500 milliliters of this stuff before? So those are some things that you don't want to hear in the midst of surgery. And I was thinking about this. There's a lot of things that we don't want to hear in the midst of this coronavirus, in the midst of this pandemic. And, and a lot of us are overwhelmed with so much information that one day you think we're going to make it, and the next day you think we're all going to die. And so we're so overwhelmed that we forget about the good news of the gospel. Some of us during this time have forgotten that God still cares about us. Some of us have started to think with everything that's going on that God has totally forgotten this world. When I was 23 years old and my first ministry lasted six months and so I moved back to, to home at 23 years old, didn't really have a job, didn't know what I was going to do. All my life plans were a mess. Everything around started falling apart and I felt like my goals, my ambitions were gone in a blink of an eye. And I remember specifically in my car driving and I remember yelling out at God, and some of you may get offended by that, but at least I was going to the right direction. I couldn't believe that God had allowed all that to happen. I had forgotten or thought that God had forgotten me, and he hadn't. Even though I couldn't sense his presence, he was still there. And when you and I are discouraged or when we're in a pit of despair, we begin to think that God doesn't care, that nobody cares, that nobody's there. And as I talk about this, some of you are there this morning. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have troubles this morning. There's a dark cloud hovering over you. You know what being depressed is. You know what being discouraged is. You know what being angry, bitter, doubting. You know what pain is this morning. You're just wondering, does God know? Does God care? Or you may be asking, when God? 
When will this end? When can I smile again? When will this social distancing end? Let's look at some comforting words, and it sounds a very weird passage to get comforting in Exodus chapter 3, the call of Moses, but you'll see in a minute. The background is, we know this, the children of Israel are in bondage. Remember, Joseph came and he brought his whole family and did real well, but the Bible says there in Exodus 1 that Joseph died and all that generation died and there was a new um, Pharaoh that came and did not know Joseph, didn't know anything really about the children of Israel, but was overwhelmed that there were so many that he said, hey, if there's somebody ever comes to war, they may take their side. So he started a plan. He said, let's start killing them off. If you remember, he told the midwives to start killing the firstborn sons. Well, they feared God more than they feared Pharaoh and they didn't do it. So Pharaoh got this idea he said all right if you won't do it then everybody's going to kill their firstborn son so they're overwhelmed some of these got to see their loved ones drop dead because of being overworked and or overheated because of the taskmasters they've been crying out for redemption they've been crying for many years but their cries they felt had fallen on deaf ears so the israelites are in misery we know moses has left and he's in median and while moses is in median god has a plan for their freedom And so God calls Moses from the burning bush in this extraordinary event. God, I believe, gives us some insight to who he is. So first of all, I want you to look at verse 24 through 25 with me of chapter 2. We're going to first see, number one, that God sees all. It says, so God heard their groanings. If you look at verse 23, it talks about the groanings that come up to God. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel And God acknowledged them. If you go over to chapter 3, God is talking to Moses. And he's telling Moses this for a reason. So that when Moses goes and talks to the children of Israel, he can say, God has not forgotten. You look what he says in verse 7 and in verse 9. He says, the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people. This is the key here. Though God had not acted on behalf of the Israelites, he had been attentive. We must remember that nothing catches God by surprise. This virus that's going on did not catch God by surprise. That that diagnosis that you got of cancer did not catch God by surprise. Your wayward children did not catch God by surprise. Your, Your issues that you're facing this morning did not catch God by surprise because he sees all. God never sits up in heaven on his throne and goes, well, I didn't see that coming. The good news, I heard a preacher say this, God never reads the newspaper. He doesn't need to. He sees everything that we're going through, every trial, every tribulation, every circumstance, he sees. In this passage, we see that God has literally looked down from heaven and he saw the persecution of his people. Don't forget that these are God's chosen people. And if they're God's chosen people, don't you think he's going to pay, pay close attention to what happens to them? He saw their suffering. He had seen every tear that's been shed. I want you to implant this in your heart and your mind. One of the things that we believe is God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. There is nowhere that you and I can go to hide from God, which means there's nothing that God cannot see. The psalmist wrote this in Psalms 139. He says, where shall I go from your presence or your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? He's literally saying there's nowhere that you and I can go that God cannot see what we're doing or what we're going through. Proverbs tells us this. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. 
Now, if he'll watch the children of Israel because he's their chosen people, how much more, church, will he watch us who are his chosen people, who are in a better covenant, a covenant that's been, that's been paid for by the shed blood of Jesus Christ? He's watching out for you. Uh, we have three boys, and everywhere we go, I make sure that I keep my eyes on my boys to make sure that they're safe. If we're out in public, I don't let them get too far away from me. I want to be able to, to save them if I need to. Now think about that. Where did that come from in me? Is that just a parental instinct that God gave me? It's a parental instinct that God gave me because God has it, and I'm made in his likeness. God is ever-present watching over you and I. And listen, your father, he's seen your tears. He's seen you weep on your pillow at night. He's seen you calling out to him during this time. Maybe he's seen you at your altar, which may be your, your bed now, or, or your couch, have you been crying out to God? Listen, he's even seen those cruel things that someone's done to you. He sees your busy schedule. He sees your financial struggle. He sees your marital struggle. He sees your wayward children. He sees your doubts, your fears, and discouragement. If you get anything this morning, understand that God sees. But not only does God see, but God hears. Go back to Exodus chapter 2 and look at verse 23. It says, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. And notice what it says. And they cried out and their cry came up to God because of their bondage. Then look what he tells Moses. In verse 7 and verse 9, he says, Listen, Moses, he says, Tell the people that I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. In verse 9, he says, Behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And here's the point. Though he had not responded, he had been receptive. The Israelites had been crying out for years, and yet they felt like their prayers were of no avail. Let me ask you, has there been a time in your Christian walk that you've been crying out to God, you've been praying to God for God to do something, and you felt like God didn't hear you? I'm not referring to a time that you had sin in your life. What I'm talking about is when you are in the depths of despair and you're crying out for God, you're begging God to do something, you feel like you're in a valley, you're struggling and you're wanting God to just hear you and listen and you feel like he's not even there. See, the Israelites were, were praying and asking, does he hear us? Does he not understand what we're going through? Can he not hear our cries? I'm so glad I'm not the only one that felt that way. The psalmist in Psalms 55 says this. He says, give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I, I like how he ends it. I mourn in my complaint and I make noise. Literally what he's saying, he said, listen, God, if you're not going to hear my voice, I'm going to scream louder and get louder until I get your attention. The psalmist said in Psalms 5, verse 1, give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my meditation. See, the psalmist wanted God not to just hear, please listen to this, but he wanted God to listen. Too many times we go to individuals and, and we don't want them to just hear us, we want them to actually listen. Because listening is to be active. But if you feel like you're not being heard, guess what? When you go to talk to somebody and you begin to share your heart and you feel like that person's not listening to you, they're hearing you but they're not listening, you begin to clam up. And that's what we do with God. We go to God and we don't feel like he's listening to us, so we quit going to God. That's why God tells Moses, I have heard their cry. Man, this ought to encourage us. God has heard our cry. 
Better, it gets better than that. God not only has heard our cry, but if you believe in Jesus Christ, the Bible says he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. In Romans 8, 34, I love this. Please listen. It says Christ Jesus is the one who died. It says more than that, who was raised. We could even put more than that, who is at the right hand of the Father, who indeed is interceding, or a better translation would be pleading for us. So as I am crying out to God in whatever struggle I'm in, when I am broken, God is not only hearing me, but Jesus is pleading on my behalf for me. But it gets better than that, church. Jesus is listening, and he is relating our cries to God, but the Bible also says that the Holy Spirit is making intercession for us. In Romans 8, the same chapter, verse 26, it says this, For we do not know how we ought to pray. Have you ever heard somebody do this? They call on some brother so-and-so to pray, and he steps out, and he starts using a tone that you've never heard him talk to before. It's almost like he's trying to impress everybody around him um, but God. We need to understand something. None of us know how to pray. The Bible says, I don't know how to pray. You don't know how to pray. We don't know how we should pray. But look what it says. But the Spirit himself pleads with us with groaning that is too deep for words. So you got Jesus at the right hand of the Father intercession for us, but the Holy Spirit who's living inside us, who feels the same thing, and Jesus feels the same thing, pleading for us. Listen, church, you are not alone. You are being heard this morning. But it gets better than that. God knows all. I I, I think this is so interesting. When I read this passage years ago, this stuck out to me more than anything. If you look at verse 7, I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. But look what he says, for I know their sorrows. Literally, he's saying, I know their pain. God knows. This morning, if, if you just get anything, God knows. Not only does he see, not only does he hear, but he knows that pain. He knows better than anyone else what you're facing this morning. He knows that mountain that you have to climb. He knows that you may be at a fork in the road with a decision that you or your family's got to make during this time. And he knows which direction you need to go. And yet he also knows the pain that you feel in making that decision. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 29, he's talking about the sparrow. You remember that? He says, a sparrow shall not fall to the ground without the father knowing And literally before that, in that chapter, he's basically saying, they're really nothing. They don't really, they don't amount to much. But he knows every time that a sparrow falls. And if God knows everything that happens to a sparrow, how much more does he know you who are his chosen people who've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ? But I love this passage. This is my favorite. And I I was going to just use one of the verses, but all the verses go together. Because too many times we like to take this verse out and use it, and we don't read all of it. So Psalms 147, verse 3 through 5 says this. And I want you to see the correlation of what he connects here. He connects, he heals the brokenhearted and binds their wounds with this. He counts the number of stars, and he calls them by name. And then he counts it with this. Great is the Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. Do you get the picture? God first wants you to know that he's the one that will heal the brokenhearted. He's the one that binds. Why? Because if he knows the number of stars and he calls each of them by name, you are more important than the stars. Why? Because God is all-powerful. And look what it ends with. And he's all-knowing. Please don't miss that. If God knows that much about the stars and the details, how much do you think he knows about you? 
You and I were not here by accident. God knows. The group for King and Country has a song entitled, Only God Knows. And it says this, God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what they say about you. God only knows how it's killing you. But there's a kind of love that only God knows. God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what they say about you. God knows the real you. And there's a kind of love that only God knows. Some of you this morning are carrying a heavy burden on your heart. You may be facing something today while feeling that nobody could understand the pain that you feel. Your all-knowing Savior not only loves you so much that he died for you to save you, but he also loves you enough to carry that burden for you. Even the burdens that nobody else knows about. The good thing about the church that we all realize, and everybody says it, is it's full of hypocrites. And we all would say amen to that. And I tell people, they say, I'm not going to come to your church because you got hypocrites. And I ask them, do you go to Walmart? And they say, yeah, well, there's hypocrites there. We're all hypocritical in this sense. We come into church and we act like we have it all together. But the truth of the matter is we probably have a burden that's weighing so heavy in our hearts that if we really shared with people, they would be overwhelmed that we're still got it all together. But Jesus knew that. And that's why he said in Matthew, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden or heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why? Because he's gentle and lowly in heart and he will give you rest for your soul. Look what he says. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen church, God sees your pain. God hears you crying about it and God knows all about that pain this morning. So how can we take this home? Well, first of all, you need to confess worry is sin. Don't make excuses for it. Confess it is sin. Here's how worry is sin. Worry is a sin because it displaces God in your life. And when you and I worry, we're living as though God does not exist. You say, how's that, preacher? When I begin to worry, I'm actually saying, God, this is too big for me and too big for you. So worry distracts us from full-fledged devotion to Christ. Why? Because we get strangled by worry. We can't focus on God. We can't focus on his work. We can't even focus on others. All we can focus on is that worry. Number two, see, some people think the opposite of worry is, is faith. I actually believe the opposite of worry is actually praying with thanksgiving. That's number two. Pray with thanksgiving. There's a song that words go something like this. Why worry when you can pray? Don't be a doubting Thomas. Always claim God's promise. When you and I begin to worry, the first thing that we need to do is to cry out to God. Not necessarily with petitions, but with thanksgiving. There's so many things that we could be thankful for. Do you realize that God may have used this time to get the whole world to just stop and look to him? Because there's no better time to look for God than when people start talking about everybody dying. Are you focusing on God? Are you thankful the time you have with your family? Someone put it this way, pray so much that worry has to take a number and stand in line. Someone else said, if your knees are knocking, kneel on them. And then number three, get in the word. 
Man, it's so easy to wake up and the first thing you do is turn on the news, see how many people have died today, see if you're going to get to go free, see if they got any toilet paper. I mean, you, you're just, you're saturated with all this stuff or we get on Facebook because that's where we find news because everybody's smart on Facebook and we go to all these things and we try to get focused on that and the first thing we need to do is we need to get in the Word of God. Let me give you some passages to get in. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It literally says, do not be anxious or worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And if we do that, it says, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Do you feel like you're going overwhelmed this morning? Do you feel like you're just a wreck, you're overburdened? Can I tell you, get in the word of God, pray, and he will give you peace. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. But here's what it says, and rejoice in the glory of God. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Have you thanked God for the coronavirus? I know that sounds so crazy. But it says glory God in the tribulation, knowing, and here's why, that tribulation produces patience. None of us like to be patient. But he says, listen, the reason you need to glorify God is he's brought this tribulation in your life so that he could produce perseverance. And then after perseverance, character. And then after character, hope. And then I love this. He says, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. During this time, may God be using this to strengthen your heart so that you can glorify him, so that you can persevere for him, so that you can have a better character, but more importantly, so that you can have hope that doesn't disappoint. And then fourth, and this is where it's going to sting a little bit, all of us need to change our perspective. All of us need to change our perspective. I believe that God, I, and I said this earlier, and I think it just to be true. What other time in my life has God stopped the whole world? Stopped the whole world for us to have a time to just focus. It could be that this is setting up God's return so that he gives us an opportunity to have a spiritual awakening. Listen, before this, everybody was complaining about their schedules. Everybody, listen, somebody even said this. Maybe, maybe God is doing this because we focus so much on sports. We focus so much on, on sending our, our kids to their extracurricular activity because we were so focused on our schedules. We were so busy. We were so overwhelmed. And yet the truth of the matter is some of us haven't changed our perspective. Instead of getting in the Word of God when we can, we're now getting on Netflix more than we ever have been. The Internet's about to crash because we're not in the Word of God. We're just thinking about this is it. Hear me, church, as a believer, this right here is temporary. That is eternal. I have to change my perspective and realize I'm not going to live forever. And maybe God is using this as a way for the church to get back and focus on what is important. Change your perspective. Make sure it's an eternal perspective. But also, start trusting in God's providence. That's part of changing your, your perspective. It's realizing that all of this is part of God's plan. I don't understand it. You don't understand it. But God does. Trust in his providence. And know that during this time, Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. Years ago, back in 1799, while fishing in North Carolina Creek, Conrad Reed discovered a large rock. And it was so beautiful that it grabbed his attention. So he, he brought it home. 
He brought that rock, rock home and he showed his family. And for the next three years, his family used that huge rock as a doorstop. Eventually, his father took that rock to a, a jeweler to find out exactly what type of rock it was. That rock that they had been using as a doorstop turned out to be gold worth $3,600. To this day, it's one of the largest gold nuggets to be discovered east of the Rockies. But for three years, that family used that priceless, valuable rock as a doorstop. It took an examination of an expert for them to realize this. Think about it. Just as the rock had to be examined before they knew what it was, our faith has to be examined and tested before the strength is evident. My prayer is that as we go through this, we'll realize that God allows trials and testing in our lives not to hurt us, but to show us where we truly are. And my prayer that during this time is God has shown you where you really are spiritually. Have you been freaking out because of no toilet paper? Have you been freaking out because of lack of food? Have you been freaking about all? And those are very important things. But can I tell you, when we freak out so much that our perspective is here and now, we have missed our perspective. Think about it, the early church. They didn't know where they were going to live because they were persecuted. We have this opportunity right now to get our relationship with God back where it needs to be so that he can send a great revival. Nothing has caught God off guard. One of my favorite passages, Proverbs 3, 5, it says to trust God. And we know that word says trust God, but we probably don't know the word trust means to lean on. It's kind of like a man who can't really walk well, so he leans on the cane to get some support. And so later that passage is telling me to lean on God, to trust in God so much because God knows. It says lean on on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll what? He'll direct your path. We don't know why we have to face some of the things. We don't know why what's going on. But can I tell you that God does? God knows and cares about your situation right now. He sent his only son to die for you because he loves you. He cares for you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Church, he knows the struggles. He knows the pain. He knows the hurts. If you don't get anything else this morning, understand this. God knows and God cares and God loves you. Let's pray. Father God in heaven. God, you know exactly what everyone in the sound of my voice is facing. God, you know that there's probably been conversations at home, conversations with you that we've not had in a long time. There's really been a sense, especially as Americans, where we've truly had to rely on you like never before. God, I just believe that you love that. Because for some of us, that's the most we've ever had a conversation with you. God, I pray that you help us during this time. Not to give up hope. Hope is not in our government. Hope is not in the medical field. Hope is in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. The song says, my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ. God, I pray that that's true for all of us. Father, and there's one here that's just so overwhelmed. God, someone watching that's just, just so consumed. Father, I pray that they'll just cast their cares at your feet, knowing that you love them and that you care for them. God, maybe for some of us this has opened our eyes that we don't have the relationship with you like we should. Father, may right now we turn to you. The great news is the Bible says if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins. God, if there's one here that just needs something from you, 
God, I pray right now. God, they won't wait. God, that they'll, they'll look up the church's number, look up how to get in contact with our church or with somebody that they spiritually that they know and, and get everything taken care of right now. God, help us not to give up. And help us to never forget that God sees, God hears, and God knows. We love you this morning, and we thank you for what you're doing. In your son's name, amen. Once again, we want to thank you for watching. We mean this um, from the bottom uh, of my heart. If you need something, whether you're with our church or another church, make sure that you reach out to someone spiritually who can help you. If you need to send us a, a Facebook message um, at Bethlehem or somebody you know, please get in contact with us and we'll do the best that we can. Understand that our church loves you. We're praying for you. But more importantly, that God loves you and that God cares. And uh, we will see you at the next appointed hour.